Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pull the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Fantasy Baseball Today starts right now. I am Chris Welsh. That is Scott White. It is the last episode of the 2019 regular season, Scott. Oh, boy. We did it. My life is about to change in a profound way. Tell me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I don't even know. <laughs> are you going to party? <laughs> the possibilities are endless. <laughs> it's wide open. What do, you wide do, open. what do you do with your nights now? Uh, set your li- You can't set any lineups. Spend them far away from you. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I mean, feelings mutual, my friend. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, Adam, are you a little... Um, I'm a little hurt that we didn't even get like, you know, like at the end of a season, maybe you get like one of those curtain calls, you get like a special yeah. guest or something. We didn't get like yeah, an like Michael Scott showing up on the office finale. Totally. It's all different. We like, didn't even get like a Heath coming sigh clip or we didn't get Chris Tau. I mean, we just didn't get anything. It's just you and I. Mm-hmm. So you are rocking. A, abandoned. What color would you say that shirt you're wearing right now is? It's a uh, Texas Longhorns color, oh, which that. isn't to say I'm Texas Longhorns fan. That's just what color it is. I, I don't know what to call it other than that. What an incredibly apt description of a color by using a college uh, team. I really, I, I uh, ha- you know, hats up to you because that's good. I was thinking, I was like, where am I going to get you to explain this color? You nailed it. You absolutely nailed perfect. it. Perfect. It is perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so this is the final one for the regular season, though I do want to tell you. I want you to tune into the end of the episode because we might have some more treats for you in the very, very very near future for more Fantasy Baseball Today content. So make sure you're listening at the end of the episode so we can get you guys all hooked up with that. But today, I was telling Scott right before we prepped the show, I was like, this is kind of a weird show because, you know, I've been trained by the uh, very talented Adam Azer on how you guys do stuff. There's a lot that goes into every single show, but there's no doubt the Monday show is a really big one because it has a lot of, you know, breakdowns of what's gone over the weekend. But this is such a weird spot because... There's no other weeks besides this one. This is the only week that there is left. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I figured. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's true. So what what actually happened this weekend that's still relevant to anyone? I don't know. What percentage of the audience is listening that's still competing at this point? I mean, I got a lot of like thank you e- thank you tweets and emails over the weekend of yeah. people. Oh, your help, you know. Only one host of this podcast, one, I can tell you that, is uh, yep. still vying for a championship. <laughs> yeah, they'll say, uh, your help won me my league, which, yeah, that's that's always seems like giving too much credit because I was not managing your team for you, but it's it's nice to you know hear some appreciation. I would so we say, got a lot of those over the weekend. And I'd say take that because when you are going to get the hate for when you don't manage their team and something goes wrong, you should also yeah. take the love when you're not managing their team and something goes right. Sure. That's how I take that. So this episode, obviously, there's some conversation around what's going on the weekend, but wanted to make a big focus on whatever nuggets we can throw at you guys for this last and final week. Some two-start pitchers. Uh, we'll talk about just some of the other ads out there. We've got some of your email questions for this week, and we've got some 2020 at the end here. But let me kick it off with this email. I thought this was a cool email that uh, it came in after 
we recorded last week and I didn't I wasn't able to like put it in on the Friday recording. But it goes this is from a Chris, which apparently I have just brought all the Chris's out of the world to start emailing here. It goes, Hey Brian, Dennis, Carl, Mike, and Al. You know who that might I don't know who that is. I mean, they're the most generic men names from like 1950 right. to 1999. Right. Dennis, sounds Brian, like Carl, Mike, and Al. Auto shop, you know? It, it sounds like they probably, I could probably say Home Improvement, and I'll bet you there's a character with all of those names on that show. <laughs> but he goes, I figured I'd share a feel good story with you for this Kokomo Friday, which has now passed. We've already uh, lost the last one. He says, This past Saturday, I got married, and my now wife and I chose Kokomo for our first dance song. We recognize it a bit unorthodox for a first dance song, but she liked it because it reminded her of some of her relaxing vacations we'd had on the beach. And I liked it because it reminded me of fantasy baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Throughout our rehearsing, our dance and actually dancing in it, I was continually hearing the lyrics in my head as they played on the podcast. So I guess you could say that in a sense, Domingo Santana, Gio Soto, Adam Azer and others all made an appearance at my wedding. Anyway, whatever it was, worked, and we put together a pretty good rumba cha-cha routine. Thanks for making my wedding great with your song. And that was from Chris. I thought that was a cool email to end the year. Brian, Dennis, Carl, Mike, and Al are the Beach Boys. How did, I mean, I mean, Adam would have known that. I, I know there's 12,000 people. Adam would have known that. Not Welsh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Beach Boys, very good. And very good reference and very uniquely funny story which i do find anytime i've ever listened to podcasts and there's any type of like a mainstream song or even radio shows if you've ever done that as soon as somebody locks into a main theme song that is all i ever hear when that song comes on so there's no shock that kokomo is you guys have probably implanted more you know fantasy baseball today kokomos than the actual beach boys have at this point yeah probably i think i think our version is better again not that that's something i can take credit for but yeah. i think it elevated the song yeah and the singer is very impressive did you guys know who that was there wasn't any like a listener that sent that uh yeah doc Kratzer is what he goes by very talented where is he yeah we should have had it into the season one uh, this is the know. end get on it the get end, on it, my friends yeah it gives little doors or something all right well let's get into everything that's going on in this final week plus your 2020s And Scott, there is no hitter right now that is hotter than Garrett Hampson. Rockies' Garrett Hampson was the most viewed player over the weekend. And to my shock, because, you know, I was looking around. This was a kind of a complete package guy as of recent, especially on the stolen base mark. He did really good in the week of. If you were vying for a championship, he probably helped you. But I was shocked when I checked his name and noticed he was only 21% owned on CBS 365 average, two homers, seven stolen bases with 19 hits. Boom. And I had to think, I believe, is in the month of September. He was one for four on Sunday, hit his sixth homer of the year. Nobody hotter than Garrett Hampson. And if, you know, 21% own, there's got to be some leagues where he's sitting out there, not just dead leagues. He would be the absolute must own of own hitters if you could put one in right now. Or do you disagree? I he, I added him to my top 10 sleeper hitters after the weekend. He's uh yeah i mean five stolen bases in his last 10 games three home runs it's batting like almost 500 during that stretch uh and you know obviously it was a very popular sleeper on draft day this is really the first usable stretch he's had all year but it's at a good time because they got three games at home this week their other three i believe are against the giants starting rotation which isn't the best so that's i think a good time to use him uh, 
he was actually replacing in my top 10 sleeper hitters Nico Horner mm. because Javier Baez, it sounds like, is going to make his return this week, and I'm not sure how that affects Horner's playing time. Baez has pretty much only played shortstop this year, so can't imagine it'll be good for Horner. How would you approach that, by the way, if you're in a weekly league? Are you, are you, are you comfortable enough where the Cubs are at that just because he probably would come back that you would slot Baez in? Because I... I think I'm avoiding unless I feel confident he's coming back early, early week. Even then, though, if it all comes down to this week, you're going to put that on Javi Baez over Nico. I have, I think, given the nature of the injury, um, which is a fracture right in his hand, it seems like a pain tolerance thing, and so I worry he wouldn't last the whole week. I worry about the effectiveness, and I kind of feel like Javier Baez—it's his thumb, actually. I kind of feel like he's hasn't been that big of a standout this year. So, I mean, I think even versus somebody like Kevin Biggio, maybe even Hampson. Yeah, I probably avoid bias. Now, yeah. the the other big returnee, if I can jump ahead in your notes, please, because I think it's a pretty big deal. Jose Ramirez, who was ruled out for the season at one point, is not out for the season. Turns out, or at least. You know, that's that's the that's what all the suggestions are right now is that he'll be back in the lineup Tuesday. Both guys coming back Tuesday. Do you have well, in theory, because on Saturday, Javi Baez was actually able to pinch hit, which would lead credence to if you wanted to take that risk and he does actually come back on Tuesday. This is Baez. You know, there's some stability there, at least because he's gotten in a game. Jose Ramirez brought up, do you feel any less, more, or equal confidence in Ramirez against Baez since they are both aligned for the same day? I do. I do. And I'm not saying Ramirez is must start. Uh, if you already have somebody you can't imagine benching at third base, I, there's no reason to take the the chance on Ramirez. But Ramirez at his best. Ramirez, once he got going this year, is better than Baez. And beyond that, I I feel much better about the Indians' chances of making the playoffs or at least pushing it to the very end than I do the Cubs at this point. The Cubs are they, they uh they're they're about to be done, I think. And then there's not going to be much incentive to play Baez while Ramirez whether the Indians are in or are pushing it to the end, I mean, they're they're going to want contributions from Ramirez. So yeah, I feel better about that. Uh, but again, I want to go so far as to call him must start. It's a definite risk, but one with potentially huge rewards. Uh, by the way, on the other end, and I don't think I'm skipping ahead here, Freddie Freeman is uh, at most going to play three games this week. He is not traveling to Kansas City. He has a bone spur in his elbow. Uh, so he's not traveling to Kansas City for a two-game series. The Braves have already clinched their division. They're probably locked in as the number two seed. Nothing to play for, really. So there's a chance he doesn't play much at all this week. I think you got to avoid Mr. Freeman. I actually do have a segment in here called the potential shutdowns, and it is aligned a little bit more at pitchers, but this is a perfect spot whenever, you know, if we have any of these other hitters. I've been looking around trying to find those guys that, whether it's we're talking, could lose two starts, could lose a start, or just get shut down in general. Definitely something important that we'll continue to do throughout the show. So you talked about your sleeper hitters. I just put together a few guys, a lot of guys we've been talking about. Kyle Lewis, who, by the way, won for four on Sunday, five-game hit streak, two homers in that uh, five-game span. He's been just murdering the ball. I believe he was the most viewed player 
over the last week. Uh, Kevin Biggio, who's uh, high, more highly owned, has a six-game hit streak, eight RBIs in that span, one for four on Sunday. But the reason I wanted to talk about a few of these guys that were kind of near the top of the list was this guy, who we briefly mentioned last week, Shed Long, who was only 8% owned, was the second most viewed player on Sunday over on CBS. 357 average, four homers, nine RBIs with 20 hits in September. Seven of the nine of his last nine games coming into Sunday were multi-hit games. Shed has been in the leadoff spot. He's been rocking the ball. So I, I set the stage for Louis Biggio and Shed Long to ask you, do any of these guys sit in your sleeper hitter column for the week? And is there anybody else that you would like to uh, throw at everybody? Uh, Long doesn't appear in my sleepers hitter, sleeper hitters column. I don't love the Mariners matchups this week, but he has obviously been a productive player here down the stretch and in leagues deep enough that, you know, probably anybody who shows up in my top sleeper hitters for the week, they're, they're probably owned anyway. I mean, Long may not be. Long may be on the deeper sleepers for this league. Yeah, 8% list. in CBS. So, I mean, yeah. not really anywhere. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's notable. But Hampson is, and who is the third one? Uh, well, I had Biggio and Kyle Lewis were both on there. Kyle Lewis is oh, just okay. the most like added-viewed player across yeah. the board. He's been the yeah. replacement-level guy. But uh, anybody else of note, at least on that sleeper list, that you'd like to talk about? Let me think here. I mean, it's been Mark Canna every week. I, I imagine the reason his ownership percentage is stuck where it is is because that's the number of people still paying attention at this point, I would guess. So let me. He, he had another huge week and obviously needs to be probably not only picked up, but started for this last week. Okay, let me twist it then. I put together okay. this little tiny area because we've only got one week. It is so insulated in what people are looking for. This is very much like a tweet week of you being like, would you do this or this for this one day? Here's another very common one I, I see in the final weeks. We saw a lot this week because people did have championships ending, but people play through the end of the season. What if you're stat chasing? What if you're chasing a specific stat? So uh, along some of the names we've already talked about, I put a couple categories together. I felt these are kind of usually the biggest, this is what I'm chasing. I'm going to throw some names out. You please interject any others that you would like to be listed or if you want to uh, jump on any of them. But if you were chasing homers, Kyle Lewis, who we've talked about, I believe he should be on that list. Shed Long, if you're chasing homers, that could be one. Instead of making big preemptive ad, you can just try to play later in the week. Brett Gardner, who I know is highly owned, 66%, four homers in his last uh, couple games here, one for four and hit his 27th homer on Sunday. Homers, let's stop there for a minute. Lewis, Gardner, Shed Long, any other if you're chasing homers for the week that you like? Canna would be one, I suppose. Yeah, I mean... Sure, he's been a good power hitter. That's a tough one. That's a tough. I'm I'm not the best at this game. I will play, but I'm not the best at this game because well, trying is all that matters, it's, right? <laughs> it's kind of the environment we're in, right? Where home runs can come from anywhere. Like I wouldn't pick up Luis Arias for home runs, but uh, beyond that, Randall Grichik is another one. By the way, in the last yep. 14 days, Grichik has six homers. He has got four of those since September 15th. And he's been on a pretty good hit streak. I think in his last, what is it, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. His last 12 games, he's got at least 11 hits in his last 12 games. And, you know, his percentages across different leagues that you're playing in could be out. Or, you know, he could be available. That's a home run average play right there with Grichik, if that's what you were looking for. And he is in my top 10 sleeper hitters list, so I can 
certainly agree with that one. Uh, let me see who else I could pick out. I mean, anybody who has good matchups at like Eric Eric Thames. It's another righty loaded week. For, two homers for, on for, Sunday too. Yeah, and he just had two homers. I recommended him the past two weeks with righty heavy weeks, and it hadn't gone well until this Sunday. But he has great numbers against right-handed pitchers. He plays against right-handed pitchers, and power is the name of his game, certainly. But like Kevin Biggio could stay hot and you know hit three more home runs this week. That's certainly possible. Um, really, anybody, anybody on this list, like Trent Grisham, is going to get a lot of at bats. I don't know that home runs would be the first thing I looked for with him, but he's going to bat leadoff. It's a righty-loaded week, which helps him too. He's always batting leadoff against the righties, and he has power. I mean, he showed it. Over the weekend, he showed it at uh, between two stops in the minors this year. Uh, so he'd be somebody I'd look to. Okay. Uh, I mean, you're, as you said, homers, you know, they can be a little bit easier, but playing matchups and playing the hot hand may be the way to go. Stolen bases are a different marker. This is why Garrett Hampson sits obviously at the top of the list if you were chasing. But uh, Joshua Rojos, two stolen bases over his last six games of the Diamondbacks. I, sus- I suspect he might get a little bit more this week. And you've got John Birdie, who's got three stolen bases over his last two weeks. If you were really trying to chase those stolen bases, which, I mean, this is, you know, this is like the Moby Dick. This is the one where it's like, where can I go to, you know, try to get some of these? And it's like, well, you can go at guys like maybe Harrison Bader. He's got three over the last two weeks, but, you know, they were kind of clumped in pre-September 18th. Anybody uh-huh. else on stolen bases that you might be recommending on the last week if someone's chasing? I mean, you could always turn to the guys who that's pretty much all they do. So it it's hard to find a spot for them. You know, they don't play the most consistently. That's Delino DeShields and Gerard Dyson. I mean, they when they do play, they run a lot, but they don't play all the time and they don't do anything else. So, you know, they're not highly owned. But beyond that, like Tommy Edmonds, a guy I like a lot this week, and he's stolen five bases in September. Uh, and a hot or, bat, super stolen, hot bat right now. Right. I think he's hit five home runs and stolen four bases. I think I, or either that or it's the other way around. But yeah, Edmund is somebody who's pretty good base stealer. In a week's time, can you expect more than two from him? Probably not. But, you know, that's true for all but like, what, a couple dozen players, two-thirds yeah. of which are sure to be owned already. Edmund, by the way, in his last 14 days coming into Sunday, three homers, three stolen bases. He stole a base on Sunday night, and he has got extra base hits in five of his last seven games. So, I mean, I'm yep. sorry, double multi-hits in five of his last uh, seven games. So Edmund is a really, really good one. Yeah, I mean, the obvious answer here is Hampson. Like, I think he's such yeah. a distant number one, and we've already talked about him, of course, but five steals in his past 10 games, and that's a big part of his profile. Oh, I'm sorry, five steals in his last seven games. So that's somebody who you trust him to play. It looks like he's going to be hitting well, and he can give you a lot of steals in a short number of games. little break for our friends over at SeatGeek, because SeatGeek with the promo code FNTSY is the app to get. Search sporting events, live music, comedy, and more, because it's never been easier with SeatGeek. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? It's pretty easy. You can look over at the App Store, 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? SeatGeek displays them on an interactive map, which I love. They break it, They break them down with green dots, meaning the good deals, red dots, they're the overpriced ones, and every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence that you're going to get an awesome deal. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. I know Adam does. It is by far the easiest way to find tickets. 
SeatGeek wants to give you 10 bucks so right now off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So go download the app, use the promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first purchase. That's the promo code FANTASY. Get 10 bucks off your first purchase. Now, if you were chasing strikeouts over the last two weeks, just looking at a couple guys, if you were chasing some strikeouts this week on single starts, Merrill Kelly has been pretty solid, 19 strikeouts in his last 14 days. Jason Vargas has got 17 in his last 12 innings and 17 strikeouts in his last 14 and one third. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Spencer Turnbull is the one I was going for. Spencer Turnbull, 16 strikeouts in his last two starts. So there's a bigger thing we're going to tackle with two start pitchers and whatnot. But if you were chasing some strikeouts from players where their matchups may be a little bit questionable, but you want those K's, any recommendations? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm not sure what his ownership is up to. I just picked him up in a league this weekend. But Sean Manaya, who has had a great strikeout rate since returning and is stretched out and he goes against the Mariners, 73%. So he may be already owned. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Turnbull. That's a two-star guy. Lamette, I think, Denelson Lamette, who had, of course, 14 strikeouts in his last start. I think he's going to be a two-star pitcher, though different different sites suggest it might be somebody else instead. Uh, but, you know, he could give you a lot of strikeouts, so he would certainly fit the description here. Uh, let's see. Who else Lamette's did I... interesting, too, because I don't know if I put this down here, but Lamette's got... He's got the Dodgers, and that's always mm-hmm. kind of one of my, like, is it enough war? Yeah, it is on the the would you. Is, like, is it enough to pivot? Obviously, to what we were just saying with the categories, if you're just chasing strikeouts, I mean, there's no better play, I think, this week in a single matchup maybe than uh, Danellis and Lamette. Maybe if you go over to Dylan Cease, he's got Cleveland on Thursday, though, you know, they're going to be playing hard on it. Cease and Lamette seem like the absolute top strikeout plays if you can just quiet your brain about the potential whip and ERA ramifications. Which may not even be a big deal. I mean, the Dodgers are kind of cruising into the playoffs themselves, and every every pitcher is capable of shutting down. Any pitcher is capable of shutting any lineup down any lineup on any given day. Obviously, the probability of that happening gets worse when it's a bad lineup. It gets much worse when it's a bad pitcher, but it's always possible. That's the way baseball works, and so I wouldn't let that steer me away if you know, if I didn't have great rotation options, I wouldn't necessarily let that steal me steer me away from a potential two start Lamette. And two starts are going to be coming up here in just one minute. But I did want to talk just a brief little look over at the weekend. And I'll obviously open it up. I'm not trying to, you know, put the standout in your mouth here. I'm not trying to like speak for you, but two guys I'm very curious about. Uh Sunday, George Springer went off three for four, three homers, four RBIs. I'll bet you he won. A lot of leagues, a lot of <laughs> leagues this weekend, especially on Sunday. It was his first yep. career three homer game, which is kind of astonishing. I think I also saw where it was like multiple. They've had multiple of these this year because Jordan Alvarez did it like a month ago. But also yeah. Luis Severino, who we briefly talked about, went five innings, three hits, nine strikeouts. And yes. what is an absolute great call by you saying this is what could happen. He went 80 pitches and he looks like he's got Texas next week. So I'm kind of throwing the standouts at you. I'd love to get your take on Springer and Severino just in this final week. Maybe Springer's a 2020 take and Severino's kind of a final uh, end of the season take. Yeah, I think you'd need a pretty deep pitching staff to sit Severino for this final start based on the way the second to last one went. And, and look, the first one was great too. He just didn't 
have the pitches ready to go beyond four innings. Uh, you know, now he got to up to 80 this time. I don't know. He should be pretty close to full go for that Texas start, I would think. And that's a pretty good matchup. Pretty good matchup. That's a, that's a choice if you need strikeouts to pursue. I mean, his ownership is high, but I imagine it's kind of wonky, too, in terms of where he's owned versus where he isn't because a lot of the people who rostered him gave up on fantasy baseball months ago, probably. And he also could have been victim of, you know, streaming pitchers. You know, he wasn't back yet. He just kind of got back, wasn't going full innings. There could have been fear and doubt in there. I mean, I I think he's a fantastic play, but he also probably did some incredible wonders of bringing people at least closer to a Roto title or bringing people maybe some championships on this final weekend by throwing a gem like that because there were some stinkers. Yeah. No, it was uh, definitely... Look, he's an ace pitcher. He's an ace pitcher, and he appears to be healthy. I I guess it's worth pointing out his velocity is down a little, like a mile per hour. He's only averaging 96 on his fastball instead of 97.5, you know? But missing plenty of bats with what he has there, and I'm not really concerned about it. What about Springer Um, on the 2020? You know, you were saying... I remember you and I were talking about the two early mocks that were going on, and, and we were kind of talking about how Springer still seems to be just disrespected. Still, I know he like he quietly hits thirty five plus homers. He quietly goes out there, does his job, and then some of those guys like the Charlie Blackmans, and maybe you throw in the same category that George Springer's are just not. They're not quite viewed in the same category that their statistics tell us. And George Springer's having a fantastic year. So I mean, I believe that was his thirty eighth homer. Uh, the the three that he hit, he got up to 38 here. So, I mean, any 2020 thoughts on George Springer? Yeah, it's been odd to me because there were six of those two early mock drafts done through the uh, the group who plays in the, what is it, TGFBI? Yeah. That group, that multi-league group where like 300-something analysts play in it, right? Yep. Yeah, so Justin Mason got together six too early mock drafts, and they drafted for the 15-team Roto League, and I don't think George Springer was taken in the second round of any of he them. He was not. Which is I, I was in Where I one. have him. I have him going. <laughs> Actually, I may have him going early third, but that's a 12-team league versus this 15-team league. I'm pretty sure he went in the fourth. Yeah. Of all and of yours? Them. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe. Well, I saw him going. He, he's going in the fifth at the one I'm looking at now, fifth round. That, really? That's crazy. And, and I mean, it. I was shocked to see the same thing for Charlie Blackman when Charlie Blackman had, in some ways, a bounce-back year. Um, but it was more or less typical Charlie Blackman season. And what makes it especially strange to me is that, particularly since we're these are five outfielder leagues we're talking about, like if there's any position that looks weak, it's outfield. Like I, Even beyond catcher, I think. Because uh, catcher's gotten some pretty good depth here this year outfield in a five outfielder league is the position where there may not be enough players to go around. So if anything, I feel like it would get prioritized early and I don't see how these guys are not top 10 options there. Uh, what's interesting about Springer specifically is I was kind of over him coming into this year, kind of ready to dismiss him as overrated. A guy who's almost 30 and he'd only put one 30 homer season together and didn't really have any other standout. Scored a lot of runs at the top of a deep lineup, but otherwise didn't really excel at anything. And then he put together this incredible MVP caliber season. Obviously not going to win MVP, but you know, it was, it was a great season. So, uh, 
I'm, you know, I'm pretty much fully on board with that. How it much do you seem like everyone else is? How much do you view Springer to Charlie Blackman? Are they close to you? Because I'm going to tell you where they went in the tourly mock number one. That was the league I was in. Do you view them? I as probably close? have them. I probably have them consecutively. I, I feel like I, I self-mocked the first four rounds for a 12-team league, and then I think I deleted it, which was dumb. <laughs> so I can't say exactly. I haven't done my outfield rankings yet. I think they're back-to-back, probably like seventh and eighth or something like that in my outfield rankings. Charlie Blackman went in the back end. Remember, these are 15-man leagues. Charlie Blackman went in the back end of the third round, and George Springer went in the middle of the fifth. And like guys that went before Springer, Victor Robles, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Gallo, Andrew Benintendi, Jordan Alvarez. I mean, some belong, maybe some don't. Tommy Pham chasing stolen bases all before George mm. Springer, who went. I mean, the next pick after Springer was Yasiel Puig. Just people have not. I don't I don't know if I know people haven't caught up and I don't know if they're going to catch up again next year. Yeah, I I have a lot of. Stolen base fatigue, to be honest. It's one thing if you're going after like a 40 steel guy, like, you know, how many of those even exist? But sure. if, if like for sure this guy is a prolific base stealer, I want to lock up my steals early. Uh, fine. But if you're just if you're counting on 20 steals from anyone, I, I think given the nature of the game and given how low impact that total is anyway, I think. I, I, I think maybe you're you're expecting too much. Like if a player doesn't deliver on those 20 steals, if he has just 12 steals, like you know, that's it's not that big of a drop off and yet it feels like a huge drop off. And it's I don't know, it's it's playing with fire. And and like the thing is because stolen bases are so scarce these days, you don't need that many to be competitive in the category. You don't, I really don't think you need to base your draft strategy around it, but you know, clearly a lot of people disagree. Yeah, well, and, and format will sometimes dictate where people want to, you know, what's the popular format that dominates. And you start getting into Roto or you're getting into, you know, non-trade transactional and FBC type of stuff. Then, you know, the conversation changes a little bit where people become more desperate. And that's every single year. It's always a major piece of the conversation are where do you take stolen bases? Where do you have to be aggressive or come off of homers? And then. Where does pitching go? Those are some of the big, you know, 2020 questions. Friends, hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's CEO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. So you get qualified candidates first. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his application so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-T-R-I-K-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Two-start pitchers. Let's hire some two-start pitchers for the final week of the season. I've got a couple interesting names that may or may not be owned out there, though if anyone's been listening to us 
for the last couple of weeks. They know I champion this, and they know that Scott White has jumped on board. Sandy Alcantara is locked in <laughs> as a two-star pitcher for the final week. Mets in the in the, the Phillies. We've got Zach Eflin, who's 53% owned. Washington and Miami, so that back-end start looks real good. Brett Anderson looks like he's got the Angels and the Mariners. And then, I mean, if you believe it, Rich Hill could be locked in to San Diego and San Francisco. So talk to me about two star pitchers. Give me talk to me about the names yeah. I threw out at you, and then you know you uh, tell me who else is at the top of your list. Realistically, the only one I might be looking to start, and it's it, even that's not a sure thing, is is Alcantara, uh, just because I feel confident the innings are going to be there, and he, he's pitched he's pitched well the past month or so. He's looked like a a much more promising pitcher, which is why I've come around. I've come around to him. Uh, the misses for somebody like Eflin, who's been fine recently, but the, the misses are pretty big for him, pretty big and ugly. So that's that feels like a desperation play. Brett Anderson, I don't mind that one so much. I feel like extreme ground baller. It makes for a high floor, but also a low ceiling. But, you know, sometimes just to get that extra start in there, particularly if it's like a two-week scenario and you're chasing in something. That makes sense. Rich Hill's going to go like two innings tops in his two starts, which is a shame because they're good matchups, but I, I would not be looking to use him at all. So if Alcantara is the main play, at least on the list of the players I gave you, who yep. do you have? Who else do you have at the top of the list for people to look out if you were if you were going to tackle? Or, or are there any other names? Because there's some deep names out there that I didn't throw on this because it's absolute desperation play. Yeah, and... I guess if there's a time to get desperate, this is it. I don't know, obviously, what kind of injuries you're dealing with, who you may have lost, how much of an underdog you feel like against whoever you're facing, what categories you're chasing in. Obviously, I can't speak to all of those individually. I I would just say my general take on this is to not get too cute. Just because it's the final week of the season, I think people have a tendency to do that, and it's usually self-destructive. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, you should trust the guys you got that there, that you should continue to play it like you did during the rest of the season, where I don't care what just happened to this player. I know he's the most talented, and I trust him to bounce back, and trust him to bounce back. And if it doesn't work out, at least you know you went with your best guy. You know, yeah, so, I'm, I'm definitely like when I look at situations like this, like I don't want to press. I would rather be defensive than I would offensive in this final week. Like unless Alcantara was the one that was out there, I particularly like his matchups on the back end of the of the year. Any other play, I'd rather avoid the beginning of the week because I'd rather reassess on, uh, you know, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. I can reassess or Wednesday night. Yeah. I can reassess to see where I'm out and what pivot plays I need to start making. Yeah, certainly if you have the luxury of you know, setting a daily lineup, which is usually not what I'm speaking to, but a lot of people do have that, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, you know, Alex Young, if, uh, yeah, he's going to make two starts, right? Now I'm second-guessing everything. Yeah, I just reviewed this list earlier today. Alex Young, two starts in the second against San Diego. That seems like an okay play. Uh... Let's see here. Among those who might be available. Um, 
Uh, we brought up Spencer Turnbull first against Minnesota, but second at White Sox is a good one. I think even like Adam Wainwright, mm. I obviously don't have a lot of confidence in him, but he has put together a lot of good seven inning starts lately and, and mostly relying on ground balls. He's kind of leaned into that more since he's obviously not a big bat misser anymore. It is interesting you brought him up because uh, where we we're going to move next was the two starts to avoid. And I put a question mark and he was one of those mm-hmm. for twofold, as you're saying, he's got four straight quality starts. He's given up one earned run in that time. The teams he's faced in those last four starts, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, and Washington. Now you figure out how much you think offensive powerhouses to any of those are. This final week, even though Wainwright has been really good, he's got Arizona and Chicago. And those seem Mm -hmm. like, I mean, those are the two worst matchups if you add in the other four, I would say. Washington, you could, you know, you could be, you could make a question about it. But Arizona and Chicago are not great matchups here. So I know you're saying the pivot play is there. Do you think he's more of an avoid, though, if at all cost? All all of these pitchers I've been talking about are avoid from my perspective. Well, like, I, I know the, the general avoid, but like put your mindset in like I'm trying to make the decision this week. I've got to make the right choice. I got to get a guy. I got to get, you know, I got to get an extra two starts here. Do you is Wainwright quote trustable enough because he's been good as of recent or is this the type of thing that blows it all up? And I know it's very relative here, but in comparison to Eflin and Alcantara and Brett Anderson, uh, he could be the pitcher who blows it up. He could be the kind of run he's on right now. I know I had a couple years in a row. This is probably going back five or six years at this point. Where Bruce Chen, a not so good pitcher <laughs> who was on a similar run at the end of the season. Was this Orioles Bruce Chen, Chen or Royals Bruce Chen? Royals Bruce Chen. Yes. I think both years he was on the Royals. Yeah. And uh, he just happened to have a two start week that last week. And I thought, what the heck? Ran him out there. I, I won the championship both those years, largely because of his contributions. And it just... I, I don't know. Should, was I dumb to do that? Maybe. Was, you took a calculated risk. Yeah, exactly. A calculated risk. So, it, think, so Wainwright is a calculated risk. Yeah. I don't know that Arizona is that bad of a matchup, particularly without... Cattell Marte. He's out for the year. Yep, Cattell's been shut down. So yeah, in, in agreement. I mean, they. I could see this final week being playing a lot more of the younger guys. Don't need to get the veterans out there. No need. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to start Adam Wainwright. But I may be in a position where I need to start Adam Wainwright and that I, I wouldn't necessarily be scared to do that. I wouldn't want to do that, you know, a lineup full of Adam Wainwrights. So hopefully you're not in that bad of a position, but Adrian yeah. Hauser is that to me this week. No Adrian yeah. Hauser. That's my do not start yeah. Adrian Hauser yep. at Cincinnati and at Colorado. Avoid. I agree. Um, yes. Okay. Then would you, I've got some starters throughout the week. I've just sprinkled some in that might be available, might be questions. You've already said Danellison Lamette is the strikeout play. Is it confidence enough just to throw him out? Even if you're not chasing, it's just, he's just a one good start. The last one against the Dodgers. I would say I, sorry, I was looking up and not at the mic. I don't know if that picked me up, but I would say I would rather not okay. start to Nelson Lamette for one start either. Okay. The, the, this but, is what this is. Would you? And you're saying no on him. Perfect. 
Andrew Heaney, scheduled Wednesday against the A's. He was also one of the most dropped pitchers over the last week. So people getting out on Heaney. Yeah. Would you against the A's? Yeah, it seems too risky. Tough matchup. He's been getting throttled lately. Um, I want to clarify the, the Nelson Lamette position, though, because it since it does seem more likely than not he's going to make two starts, if you're talking about a weekly lineup, I do probably put him out there and just hope for the best against the Dodgers. But, you know, it's, it's not ideal. Like, I'm not saying that's a perfect scenario. It's just something that I think most people who are setting their lineups for the final week, if they were given that option that they would need to do their, their pitching staff probably isn't deep enough to pass that up. Yeah. I don't know if I'm muddling this too much. No, you're, you're fine. Um, Heaney, did you give an answer on Heaney? Yeah, I said no. No, okay. Uh, Dylan, just say no. Just say no. It's fine. Dylan Cease, uh, just looking at projectable starters, looked like he would go on Thursday against Cleveland. Would you, Dylan Cease? I would not. No, good mat. Uh, good matchup last time out, and he delivered on it. But against Cleveland, no. Never have I ever Reynaldo Lopez versus Detroit on Friday. No, not the way he's been pitching lately. That would take nerves of steel. My nerves are made of Teflon. And those are names that will pique everybody's, their eyes will glaze up. They'll be like, ooh, uh, Cease is out there. Should I? No, you shouldn't. Those are risky plays this week. Guys that might be available out there. You got anybody else? Is there anybody else on even single starts this week that jump out to you? I know we're, we're kind of moving out of the two-star pitcher conversation here, but are there any even streaming type of spots for one start uh, that you would hit over guys like Heaney, Lamette, Cease, or Reynaldo? Uh, one start guys, other than the ones we talked about already, there hasn't been a move I've made for anybody in particular. So no, I mean, I could maybe go through the game grid, the, the matchups grid here and pick out a few guys, but I don't know how long that would take. Yeah. And that's what I did. I went through and I was looking at the the daily grid to pick names that, you know, I think would jump out to people. There's obvious names out there that you're not going to want to start. I don't need to bring up Melville and stuff like that. So those were the most interesting starts this week on singles. And there's not a ton of confidence. Lamette might be near the top. But you know what you're getting into if you're going to play that. And all the matchups. I mean, Renato Lopez is a fantastic matchup, the best of all of them. But it's a it's risky business. Um, we got some emails about this week and some 2020 ones. Hey, guys, need some help for the final lineup of the year. I'm in a head-to-head points league, and I'm going for the ship. First, do I start Jose Ramirez or keep Eugenio Suarez at third base? You got to go, Eugenio. I would go with. Suarez. Yeah. Yeah. We're both in agreement here. Yeah. That's the kind of third baseman I was talking about earlier, where if you can't imagine sitting him, you don't roll the dice on Ramirez. Exactly. And my pitching, which five would you suggest? My opposition has eight starts, so he needs five of Bueller, Flaherty, Morton, Castillo, Manaya, Savali, Craig Smith, and then he's got two two starters in Wainwright and Blake Snell. So you got to start Bueller. You got to start Flaherty. Uh, you got to start Morton. Morton. And you got to start Castillo. And then you got to, I mean, I'm taking Manaya over Sneller Wainwright. Yeah, I agree. Manaya against okay. the Mariners. Yep. Okay, there we go. We did it. Bueller, Flaherty, Morton, Castillo, Manaya. Those are your two starts, uh, or those are your five starts and skipping over those two starters. And that was uh, from our friend Wheels uh, Off Ballers. Thanks for the advice and the great podcast. Swing position for Roto. 
I have no need for K's or what is that? Or saves. Is that say, okay? That just looks weird. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah. The way you wrote it looks weird. It looks super weird. No need for case or saves. (laughs) I can gain or lose a point in ERA. I'm tied with two others in third with 81 wins. Second has 82 and first has 84. Overall standings, first is obtainable and no worries about three catching up. Tanaka at Tampa Bay or Will Harris at Seattle and the Angels or another reliever waiver wire like Ottavino, Britton, other similars he's talking about in deep roto. Or he could pick up Brett Anderson at the Angels. What do you think there? What do you think? Tanaka at Tampa Bay, Will Harris, or Brett Anderson? What would be your play when he has no need for Kays or strikeouts? He's chasing wins, basically, right? Is that that how I'm supposed to interpret this? He said he can gain an ERA. Oh, he can gain... Yeah, he said he can gain an ERA, and then wins is super close, too. Yeah, so he... um, He's at... He's tied in third place with 81. Second place is 82. So this is... This seems like an easy... Starting pitch, I would say this is an easy Tanaka play. Unless, ooh, unless you want Brett Anderson on the two, but that could screw your ERA. ERA. I, I don't think it's going to screw your ERA that badly. His floor is so high, he doesn't, you know, get a lot of innings. He's not going to go seven innings that often. And Tanaka's been pitching pretty well of late, but I think, you know, I, I'm kind of leaning Brett Anderson in this scenario. Just go for it all? Yeah, I just don't think the downside is that low. I watch him get throttled by the Angels or something. But it, look, it's the Troutless Angels and then the Mariners. So, so Brett yeah, Anderson. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Um, little news and notes around the baseball. The final update here: Mookie Betts returned on Saturday, went two for five in his return, did not play on Sunday. What's a confidence level in a weekly this week of putting him out there? You have to suspect it's just going to be probably some. I mean, he's not going to play the full week. I mean, what do they have if they've got six games? Is he going to play three of them? I'm sorry. Who would we, I missed? Who we're talking about? Mookie. Mookie. Uh, Return on Saturday. Did not play on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think that was just a day game after a night game thing. I think it will play most of this week. So you're confident. I plan on starting him wherever I have him. Okay. Yeah. That's all I was asking. If you're confident yep. on this final week here, uh, Adalberto Mondesi was lifted from Sunday's game against the Twins after re-aggravating what looked like re-aggravating his left shoulder uh, on a um, on a diving stop, which was brutal for me because he got one stolen base on Sunday, then got taken out and. Oh, that other stolen base, if he could have got out there, would have been mighty, mighty fine for me. Robinson Cano was lifted from Sunday's game against the Reds after being hit on the left big toe by a pitch. All right. And Max Muncy remained out of the Dodgers lineup Sunday. Muncy's now missed two straight games and after he was taken out with a tight quad on Friday. Yep. You got no interest in, in Cano, but the Muncy one's been a little bit interesting. Maybe even helps those uh, Danellison lamette dodger matchups. Yeah, as for Muncy himself, I don't think you can trust that. Just two up in the air. Uh, same thing for, I don't know how many of these names you have in a segment coming up, but Glaber Torres, can't trust that. Uh, Max Kepler's talked about maybe returning this week, but I'm not counting on that. We talked about Javier Baez, probably not going to do that, even though he has a projected date to return. Like with injuries, for the most part, I'm going to play it really safe this final week. And that's a good way to put it for everybody because there's a lot of this sitting out there. Colton Wong was diagnosed with a grade two left hamstring strain. So, so yeah, who cares? The Rays activated Brandon Lowe, though, from the 60 day IL. And he was, uh, I'd have to actually go back and look. He did get a hit in his return. What was interesting, though, is they had kind of locked him in as like he was done for the year. And he had had some good production early on. So, and they also have the confusing uh, Lowe and Lau out there hitting back to back. And I just saw Nate's brother two days ago, Josh Lowe. 
So there's Josh yeah. Lowe, Nate Lowe, and Brandon Lau all spelled the same in the same organization. Yeah, and originally Josh Lowe was supposed to be the best of them, but yeah. that's, I mean, maybe it'll still happen, but his stock's yeah. not quite what it once was. I've seen um, him over the last couple of days. Probably not, Scott. Probably yeah. Not. <laughs> yeah, I think there's too many options in the Rays infield and outfield for allow for me to trust the playing time, especially coming off an atypical rehabilitation scenario. Um, Pete Alonso hit his 50th homer on Friday. So we got there. We were talking about that, which made him the, I thought this was really interesting, made him the first NL rookie to hit 50 homers, which mm. I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, obviously 52 was a record with, uh, Aaron judge. That's over in the and AL before that it was 49 McGuire. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the question is, did Mike Trout Homer? He didn't, he didn't. And of the math doesn't work out anymore. So I swear I'm gonna I'm gonna hire I'm gonna hire a team in the offseason to just get me the numbers of players that hit homers on the same day. I'm gonna prove everybody <laughs> wrong. Even if I'm not back on here, I'm gonna like send in a big memo. I'll send it into fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Uh Chris Bryant was lifted from Sunday's game versus the cards with a right ankle injury. He uh he hurt it trying to beat out a double play, and then he was, you know, I think he it was like wet there, so he was kind of favoring that, turned his ankle when he landed. So be on the lookout for that. That's a little scary. Especially if there's, you got to pray that there's going to be some news early on Monday that's going to tell us which way he's going to go. But that could be another one of those reasons as those Cubs, you know, like I'm still kind of pro Nico Horner on the back end of this last week, just because I think there's enough injuries out there for him to find spots across the board. And then finally, any takes you have on these Padres fired manager, Andy Green, general manager, AJ Preller announced the move and um, he was there for four years. And, you know, it was really rough on Andy Scott signing all those Will Myers contracts. So he definitely should have gone, huh? <laughs> oh, he didn't do that. Yeah. No, he didn't do that. No, no, he didn't. I, so. Although, I mean, AJ Preller's got them positioned to be, you know, they, they look like the next team that's going to have, you know, just shoot to contention. The next after. Astros. Yeah. I mean, that the, the Astros, what they've done in terms of being able to sustain it is Kind of unprecedented. Oh, well, I guess the Dodgers have been doing the same thing, and they never had to rebuild, really. But, but yeah, um, they got piles and piles of prospects in San Diego, and it looked like they're about to be good. What's interesting is I saw, I think I saw Bruce Bochy was asked about the opening, and he didn't like st- straight up say no. He mm. said like, "Ah, we're not talking about that" or something like that. <laughs> like that's not a no, Bruce. No. No, I don't know. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Um, shutdowns or skips. We talked about, you know, obviously the middle line guys, everyone's very susceptible to this. I just threw on here, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin. We talked about that briefly last week. Do you have any insight, um, any takes or any other people you want to mention that people should be on the lookout for, especially if they are going to be relying especially on the top end of these guys for two starts that might get pushed off. Do you have any, cause like Garrett Cole, I feel like is one you and I have been saying that two starts does not seem likely for him this week. It doesn't, but I keep forgetting this. I just, you know, I've been obviously analyzing fantasy baseball for, I don't know. This is my 11th, 12th year of doing it. I keep forgetting how much, the wild card play in games have kind of changed the way the schedule works. They're, the first games of the wild card series, I, I'm sorry, the first games of the NLDS, ALDS, the LDS series, um, it's not until Thursday. 
So a pitcher who goes on Sunday would be one day short of full rest on Thursday. So a pitcher who goes on Saturday, right on schedule to start Thursday. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. No, but yeah, regardless, you're not sitting Cole. You're not sitting Max Scherzer. I think Patrick Corbin makes two starts either way. Uh, Mike Clevenger has just been introduced as a two-start pitcher. That one's probably going to go right down to the wire. So they'll, I, I imagine they'll need him to make that second start just in the hopes of securing a wild card spot. Yeah, and I viewed this not as a like weekly don't start. I'm taking one start of Max Scherzer over any worldly two starter you're going to find out there. It was I, I think about it more in the head to head where people look, they see, okay, well, I got you know Scherzer Saturday or Sunday, whatever it is, I'm good. This will be good, and then realizing they get pushed off and not making the proper pickups. Just I everyone should be there, but you should be on guard. But it's a great point about you know the uh, the playing game having that type of a role. How about a couple of these guys? Because you blew it, you blew it, Dakota Hudson versus the Cubs on Saturday. Went three, gave up three, walked four. Only struck out two, and it looks like he's got the Cubs again. Do you trust Dakota Hudson this week? I would probably not. He's not a great five-by-five pitcher anyway because the whip is so high. And I know he kept having – he had this string of starts where he was giving up like one, two, three hits, and that obviously helped the whip. But I don't think that was sustainable for him. And, uh, yeah, that kind of came crashing down in his last start. So I think of him as more of a points league option for a one-start week. Probably not going to do it. Another guy that did not help you at all was Jose Quintana. You blew it on against the Cardinals on Saturday. Went three and one-third, five earned runs, four strikeouts. Just un, unreeling on the end of the year. He's got the Cardinals again. Yeah. Any trust? Stay away. Stay away. All right. Here are five guys that you might hate for a long time because they may have absolutely ruined any shot you had at a championship like Ryan Yarbrough, who went three and one third, six earned runs with two strikeouts. Trevor Bauer, the always fun Trevor Bauer, didn't work out. Mets went six, gave up five, did strike out seven. Jose Barrios, this one was a brutal one. What a matchup against the Royals. Went six, gave up five earned runs, struck out five. Plesak against Philly went four and one third, four earned runs, and three strikeouts. And I would like the term to be coined pulling a Wade Miley giving up 1,200 earned runs in what maybe is two innings in the month of September. He went one inning, four earned runs, one strikeout. None of the, the who is trustable is, here? He reeled you back in with that last start where it looked like he'd gotten back on track. So but brutal. No. Past four starts for Miley, 18 earned runs in seven and a third innings. It's, that's rough. I think the only one I sat him for in a deep league I'm in was the one good one because that's hmm. that's the way it played out. So anybody you trust here coming into next week after this blow up? I mean, I, I'm yeah. This is, this is the two week guys that are rocking. You got two weeks. You're like, oh my gosh, Wade Miley, Jose Brios one. That's the one I just looked at the matchup and I was like, really? We can't even get this one, Brios. So where's your trust? Probably with Bauer. I, I mean, what's what's good about Bauer is five of four of the five earned runs came in the first inning. So he dominated for the final five. It was a nice recovery. Could have been a lot worse. His previous two starts were awesome. I think I'm sticking with Bauer. Probably sticking with Barrios, too. He's been a little more up and down here, but over waiver guy X, still got to feel like that's that's better. Ryan Yarbrough, man, it's 
There hasn't been a lot of good lately. I hate that it's Toronto he's facing in this final one because that is a big temptation. I mean, that's who Luis Severino just shut down. And I still think the skills for Yarbrough were pretty good. He was pitching over his head. He was. And now, all of a sudden, his ERA is almost exactly in line with his ex-bip because he's ended the year so badly. Just over four. Both of them are. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough call. That's almost a coin flip for me. To, obviously, if you have great alternatives, there's no need to bother with it. But if you don't, Yarbrough against the Blue Jays, it might be tempting enough to just run them out there and hope for the best. And your last plays, if you're trying to get some saves, save some saves here. The two big guys that were that made movement as far as pickups go are Keone Kella went from 4% to 12%, did not have a save chance coming into Sunday. And I don't believe I need to look nope, here. Then get Sunday. Yeah, then no, get no Sunday, no nothing saves. But Jairo Diaz went from 11 to 18% owned. He got his fifth save on Saturday, He had uh, which was five since September 10th. So he's been in line there. Diaz is probably the play if you're looking for saves, which I think actually, if you had them all even, everybody would have went and picked up Kella because Kella would have felt like the better play in Pittsburgh. But what do you know? Colorado getting the saves. I think I'd still go Kella. I think he's just more trustworthy if the save chances do come around. Are there any other save options? Anybody else? Uh, Joe Jimenez got his eighth save. I mean, Tiger's saves are few and far between. He got his eighth save out there against the White Sox. If he were even available, that might be a play. Uh, Andrew Miller got his sixth save on uh, on Sunday night. That's an interesting one. Yeah, but Carlos Martinez had worked four straight days, I think. So that doesn't really look like anything's changing there. There aren't really any emerging options, right, except in Pittsburgh, and that's not totally confirmed. Pittsburgh and Colorado, I think those are basically the only two. So it's a, a lot of the same guys. Yeah. You know? It's going to be hard to chase saves. The guy I was playing against didn't even bother. He just didn't even bother trying to pick up any. I think he did get Kella. He ended up having zero saves against me in the week, and he still beat me. It's still brutal. How are you finishing <laughs> up, by the way? How, how does it look in this final week for you? I still got a shot in the five... Five of the 11 fantasy leagues still right there heading into the final week with a lead. in I think three of those five, but you know, there's a chance I could pull it out in all five. And if I get, if I win nearly half my leagues for the year, that's mm. going to be, that's going to be awesome. We've got to tweet about it. We're going to have to follow. Great. Yeah, it should, as it should. And you should follow him on Twitter at CBS Scott white. Follow me on Twitter at, is it the Welsh? We can help you out in this final week. Because that is the final regular season episode, but I did tease, so what is the deal? Well, I don't think you're going to have to listen or wait for too much longer. How about even like next week? Because we are going to be back with you, and I'm going to be back with Scott, and we're going to be doing some very early positional preview episodes. So you could be on the lookout for that in the coming week, and we'll be dropping a couple of week going through the positions. I think you're going to have. Um, do you have like a schedule of how the rank articles are going to be dropping in terms of what order the positions go? Yeah, like are you going to be dropping like one a week through the off season, or how are you going to be doing all oh, your positional I, ranks? Three of them are already up. I imagine they'll all be up by the end of next week, unless you know, unless the people making those decisions decide to space oh. them out more, but I'll, oh. I'll have them ready to go by the end of next week. So we'll see what they do. With them. Well, that, that yeah, three are already on the site. 
then that'll be a perfect primer for us to take. And then we can put some podcast content out there talking about what 2020 looks like, positional stuff. I've been taking part in multiple mocks, a two early mocks. I've done one over it in this league. So I'm going to take that. We'll put some players up against each other. We'll talk about tiers and we'll talk about what 2020 looks like. And if we can even squeeze them in, I mean, you guys just kept flooding us with emails. We just, you know, too much content to talk about. We couldn't even get to all of them. So we'll see what questions we can answer for 2020 in those episodes. So you can keep the questions coming at fantasybaseballcbsi.com. And then just after a little breakthrough this week, the following week, we should be back with you, Scott White and myself for some 2020 CBS Fantasy Baseball Today pods. Until then, though, congratulations to all the winners. We have to assume most of the people that are still listening are the big winners, right? Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, you're, not, yeah, you're like, no, you're not, like not going to call you a lot listeners of people losers. Are listening to us who uh, dropped out, too. Yeah. You know, they just like us that much. They'd miss us. Eternal optimist. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to say, as far as this regular season stuff goes, uh, thank you guys for having me on. I've enjoyed all of my time talking uh, with... Uh, I've enjoyed all my time talking fantasy baseball with you throughout the regular season, and it has been very, very fun. I'm looking forward to doing some offseason stuff, too. So I know you're very excited to get rid of me, but you won't be able to get rid of me like for too long. You get like a week and a half away. I mean, they could just not come back, but I'm not really suggesting that. No, not, not suggesting that at all. Come back. I could not come back. They could not come back. Knowing you're going to be doing it still. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they don't like you. You know, one of my favorite things, too, has been the support that I've gotten from Scott (laughs) White. The great support, the the no passive aggressiveness at all on the job that I've been doing. Well, either way, uh, we'll be back with you. He can't get rid of me whether he wants it or not. It's your choice if you want to be there for it. We'll have a good time. We'll talk about 2020. Good luck with everything. You guys know where to find us. This is Fantasy Baseball Today, and we are out of here. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.